Hey everyone, I'm Mary Kate and welcome to Women Changing the Game. Join me as I sit down with ambitious, powerful women who are coming off the bench in the sports industry and are changing the game as we know it. Get ready for women in coaching, photography, events, sales, entrepreneurship, and so much more, all in the industry of sports. If you're here to get some amazing advice, stories, and laughs, then stick around. Looking to start your own podcast? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Women Changing the Game. Our guest today is a role model, trailblazer, history maker in the industry, and we're just going to get right to it. She is the NFL's first Black female game official, and moment of silence for that first. But it doesn't stop there. She is a public speaker, student and program success coordinator, previously a health and physical education teacher, as well as officiated for the XFL and Pac-12 and Conference USA football games. Let's welcome her already. Hello, Maya Shaka. That was an amazing and very impressive uh, recital. So that was cool. I didn't, didn't realize I did all those things. <laughs> I'm sure I missed out on a few too. I know, I know you have a great resume. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> all right. Thank you for coming on though. I'm so excited to talk to you. And the first thing I want to say is congratulations on your first season in the NFL. That's a huge deal. And it has been so inspiring to see you accomplish this and now be someone for girls all over. Um, I'm not sure, not sure if you know the famous quote, if you see her, you can be her, but you've really proven that. And not only by being this figure, but also just helping guide the youth in the right direction, which I can't wait to talk about. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah. So I hear you're from Rochester, New York, which I want to talk about because I'm from upstate as well. I'm from Kingston, New York. Um, and I thought that was cool, but I'd love to know just more about growing up in Rochester and did you play sports? You know, what was your favorite sport? What was your childhood like in Rochester? It was cold, very cold. Snowstorms in April. Um, (laughs) So that's why I had to get up out of there. No, but so for me, I grew up in Rochester, like pretty much like the inner city. So I'm an inner city kid. I spent a lot of my time in the boys and girls club or at rec centers or in somebody's backyard playing basketball. So basketball was was my sport of choice by default. Um, I think growing up, I did play some football. Everybody did a little kickball. Whatever it was, I was playing. If it was competitive and I can do it, that was me. But in terms of organized sports, I think I gravitated to basketball because that that's what was available to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, I love to hear people's background because it definitely, I think, has an impact on our past. And that's interesting that basketball was your sport and now you're in football. Um, So was there ever a time where you thought that you were going to officiate in actually the NBA or or the WNBA? Or did you feel like you were going to play or um, why football instead? Well, I 
when I when I started officiating, I was actually playing semi-pro basketball. And so I didn't really want to officiate. Well, I did want to officiate basketball, but it was kind of weird. I was still kind of playing a little bit. And then a coworker of mine asked me to do football instead of basketball. He says, I think you may like to officiate football better because you know you have what it takes. There aren't any women doing it. And you know, you're gonna be good at it because you're an athlete. And so that's how I got talked into doing football. Um, but I do officiate women's division one basketball. Also, I took this year off um, because, you know, just the whole NFL thing with me trying to do good at that career, you know, I didn't want any distractions. So I, I've been officiating basketball for since 2018, maybe. And I was on the track at one time being recruited by the NBA as well. Wow. See, this yeah. is, I told you, I forgot something <laughs> in the beginning because I didn't even know that about you. That's awesome. Um, a, lo- and- a lot of people don't. And so yeah. I like talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Tell <laughs> me more about that, that you were like recruited and, and what happened um, that you decided, you know, to go a different way. Or- so I started officiating football in 2007 mm-hmm. and I interviewed for the NFL and I got into their development program in 2014. And so, you know, in the class that I was in, people were only in a development program for about two or three, four years tops. Four years was a long time until they decided that they were either going to drop you from the program or they were going to hire you. So for me, it rolled around. I think I was like in my fifth year and they hadn't pulled the trigger yet. So I was kind of thinking that it would never happen. And so instead of me getting down about not getting in the NFL rapid fire, you know, like as quick as I wanted to. Um, I started to officiate basketball. And so for me, I, I met like a couple of NBA officials on the plane and they're like, hey, we're, we're starting a high school organization in your area. Why don't you come officiate basketball? And I was like, all right. So I just decided to jump ship and officiate basketball. And I went as hard as I could like for two years. And I started officiating women's division one basketball after only refereeing basketball for one year. And so that was something I got really good at. Um, and then, you know, it came to a point I was being recruited to go to like to the NBA's grassroots program, you know, because I was, you know, working underneath some uh, NBA officials and they were pretty much teaching me the tricks of the trades to be fast tracked. And obviously by me already having a background in football officiating, I was already a professional there. And so all I had to do was learn how to be a professional in the basketball world. I had the charisma, the poise, the decision-making, everything it took to be a good basketball official. So that, that's what kind of brought their attention. Then COVID hit. And then once COVID hit, you know, the program for the NBA officials didn't really um, occur that year for their development program. And, you know, so that went on hold for about two years. And then all of a sudden the NFL calls. And so that just happened, you know, pretty much out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting that to happen. And that just goes to show you, you know, you're working super hard to get to one thing, you know, and and it seems like a wall is closing, but that doesn't mean that you just stop working, right? You don't give up and you don't just say, hey, you know, this is never going to happen for me. I developed a skill in another area, which eventually those were the missing pieces that I needed to be to help get me to the NFL, you know, the charisma and the confidence that it takes to be a basketball official. That's all the stuff they wanted to wanted to see me be as a football official. So yeah, yeah. Like that, that's awesome. And I feel like it can translate to anybody in the sports industry. I'm um, working mm-hmm. in one department 
you're able to, you know, switch over to another department if you get that background and maybe the specific sport you want or the specific department you want. Um, but yeah, and I feel like the universe, um, you know, always puts you on the right path. You may think you're going one way, but it's going to switch up no matter what your goals are. So um, your your athlete used to making adjustments, right? Or like coaches, you know, you got to make those adjustments if you want to win, you know, play multiple positions, right? For sure. Yeah. So yeah. so what inspired you to be great and um, get this motivation to do something with not necessarily role models um, that looked like you in the field? Because that's definitely hard when you don't um, really have like a blueprint, not that you can't follow males, but still, um, is there something inside of you that gave you that fire to do something um, in a in a male saturated industry? So for me, I'm a little different. I never... I don't look at something to say, hey, I want to be that or that's what I want to do, right? Um, I don't try to, I've never tried to fit into somebody else's mold. I've always tried to, you know, make my own. And, you know, my parents would tell you that, like, ever since I was a kid, like, and that was something that they did that was so great for me. They never um, set goals for me. They always watched where I was going and kind of sort of worked with me with anything I wanted to do. If I want to play with dolls that day, they got me dolls. If I wanted Ninja Turtles, they let me play with Ninja Turtles. Um, that's just how I was raised as a child. And they just, they gave me that space to be creative and they never put me into a gender role. Um, they just let me be free, you know? And I think that's real important, you know, that builds confidence. Yeah, I definitely think it does. And it has, like I said in the beginning, like the way you're brought up definitely has an impact on the roles mm -hmm. you go into as you grow up. Um, and I'm sure it wasn't easy, though, although you didn't really think of it as a big deal. I'm sure it wasn't that easy, you know, when you face challenges getting to this point. Um, what was your biggest challenge, you would say, getting here? And how did you overcome those barriers that you hit as you were moving up? I think my biggest challenge was me trying to find a way to be my authentic self in this world. And when I say that, um, a lot of people don't understand how corporate sports are and how much politics are involved, especially when you start going up to the professional level, like it really is a business. And we're so used to just putting on our slides, you know, as athletes or putting on our sweats and going about our day. But this is corporate America in a National Football League. We're communicating with millionaires. And so for me, I have to be able to flip that switch because not only can I do the corporate world, I'm still like so hip hop, like to the core. <laughs> like I love my rap music. I love my Jordans. I love my hoop earrings, right? And so I had to find a way for me to still incorporate those bits and pieces of me into this world in order to be accepted because I didn't want to go in feeling like I'm so cookie cutter and being so uncomfortable and not being able to communicate a way that I'm comfortable in, right? Um, you know, I'm not an English teacher. I was a PE teacher. So sometimes I don't use the best words and my spelling isn't great, right? But, you know, we all have imperfections. So I had to find out ways that I can still come off being genuine and articulate and professional. Yeah, I love that you cared about that because I think that's so important and that's important to do your best work even if you're comfortable with who you are and you and that makes you feel confident too, you know, just being yourself so and I think confidence just brings you up to a higher level in the sports industry so 
um, just being able to stick to that. I think that's important that you, you stuck to your guns. And so you've been working, like you said, as a phys ed teacher um, and also student program success coordinator. And now I see your founder of Make Meaningful Change, which I wanna talk about. Um, tell us about this new project and um, why giving back to the youth has been so important to you in your life through teaching and through the education system. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I taught for 15 years in a public school system and, you know, pretty much at the end of last year when the, when the announcement all happened, um, I just felt that leaving the public school system at that time was appropriate for me in my career because it didn't allow me the flexibility that I needed to be able to do both careers. Um, but I've always still had a passion to work for the youth. And I started working for a nonprofit called An Achievable Dream, where they gave me the position of a student and program success coordinator, which essentially what I do is um, just counsel kids and mentor kids how to be successful, like inside the class. So I'm not pinned down to a classroom and to a set schedule every single day, but I still am able to be impactful um, on this youth. And that organization, they pretty much serve um, the one I'm the one I work in in Virginia Beach, we serve pretty much a specific community. Um, so we don't touch every single area in Virginia Beach. We we serve most of the underserved communities that are closer to the oceanfront. Um, and so from there, I, I've noticed that there's still gaps like of where people aren't being served or like in the area I live in, you may have certain programs that work in one city, but don't necessarily transcend to the other. And we have like seven cities that are all connected. It's very similar to like the five boroughs of New York, right? Mm -hmm. So, so to give you an example, there may be a program that services Manhattan, but it doesn't touch Brooklyn or Queens. Okay. And so myself, I've noticed that I wanted to be able to impact all youth that are around me because everyone needs some type of help in hand. And I want it to be more inclusive mm -hmm. instead of being exclusive to specific areas. And so what Make Meaningful Change is, it's community engagement and it's just to enrich any educational experience that you're dealing with right now um, and bringing pretty much my lifestyle and the resources that I've been able to run into, you know, with the new successes that I have. And just bringing it back to my community and just showing the youth, hey, you know, this is realistic to me. This can be a reality because it's right here up close and personal to me. You know, it's no longer I'm just dreaming or I'm just looking at social media and liking, you know, it's in front of me. Now, what am I going to do with this network? So. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, how cool for these kids to have you to uh, be a role model. That's just awesome. Um, whether they know that or not, I think that's, that's great for them. And, um, and an important and exciting initiative. And it's a lot to balance everything you do, you're doing, like you said, you, you stopped doing, being a phys ed teacher, but you did that all your life. And I, I think that would have been, you know, a really hard balance, but I'm sure you could have managed it um, with all you do. But let's talk about that. Can you give us kind of a weekend in Maya's life of probably like in peak season of officiating when you have games oh. going on and stuff? All right, so right now, like for the NFL season, games are played on Sundays, so we fly out on Saturday. So normally I work a full work week, right? Monday through Friday, or sometimes Tuesday through Friday, depending. Um, and this is on for Sunday games only. So you work your full work week. Saturday, I like to get the first flight out on Saturday. 
so I can get to the city early. And what I normally do as soon as I get to the hotel, I order my Uber Eats, which is probably like some green, like some, I find try to find some juice bar and I'll juice like the whole day Saturday and sleep in my hotel. <laughs> Wake up first thing in the morning Sunday. If we have a one o'clock kick, I'm up at like 6.37. Um, we do like a devotional as a crew for some fellowship at like 8 a.m. And then we depart to the stadium like sometime between 9.30 and 10. And then from there, it's like we're preparing for the game, talking to coaches, preparing our game reports, you know, stretching out, just getting ourselves in that mindset. We work our game. Um, we're off the field, like sometime between 3.30 and 4 o'clock. And then we're to the straight to the airport right after that. So we fly out immediately after the game. We don't really hang around the cities. Now, if we have a later game, a Sunday night game, or you're just in certain cities, then yeah, we'll stay over. Um, but that makes for a very long Sunday. So, you know, if you're starting at seven o'clock in the morning and you're not getting home until 11 o'clock midnight, and then you wake up and go to work the next day on a Monday, and it's a constant grind. I don't know um, if I can do that <laughs> the next yeah, day. It's, <laughs> it's a lot but I mean you can you can take an off day but then the kids you know the, the kids are still looking for you so it's like you still go in so it's like really going in for them but then throughout the week we have game reports that we do we have to watch our game film we have to prepare for the next weekend so I mean it's a lot on top of it you know just on top of the, the normal day um now if you have a Monday night game travel changes you know, you're flying out Sunday, you get, you're getting there late Sunday, you work all day Monday, then you fly back on a Tuesday, you go to work on a Wednesday. So that's how that rolls. A lot of work, but um, well worth it, I'm sure, um, as I'm sure you're, you have a, such a passion for officiating. And I, that's what I want to ask you in the midst of all this and the craziness. Do you, have you ever had a moment where you're like, I really have a passion for you. this. Like, this is so cool that I'm doing this. Like, whether that's in a game itself or are you just so focused on the game that you don't even have those moments to like, take it all in? Yeah, you know, in the game, it's really tough yeah. because, you know, we're focused on a job. That, and then people always ask me about like players and things in the game. I don't know what certain players do in a game because I'm looking at something different. So yeah. it, that's weird. But when you really sit back and, it's the friendships that you make and the people that you associate yourself with in this world. Sometimes these are people who you probably won't talk to outside of officiating. You know, you get to interact with all with people from all walks of life, which is pretty amazing. Um, and that's when I look at like, wow, I've really been given this great opportunity because I'm now talking to somebody who I never would have thought I would have a conversation with. And it's meaningful. Like I've had conversations with so many different police chiefs um, all around the world, they all around America, which is, you know, they never heard my side of the story or the side of the story that, you know, my people are going through at that point. And it just gives them a different perspective. And they take that back and you can see them putting different things into practice in their cities, you know, which is really important, especially what we're dealing with today and in, in this day and age. So being able to be a voice you know, um, an ambassador for lack of better terms is actually pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool that you've turned like officiating into now, you know, being a voice when you're out there. And a lot of questions that I get from our followers and, you know, young girls that are coming up in the sports industry is, you know, what's your best way to network and how do you talk to these people around you in the industry? 
and that kind of just as you were saying you meet all these people do you have any tips for girls um to you know network and just get to know these people that you know it may be scared to talk to maybe in the industry or um what are your best tips for that yeah so the the best thing is like when you're networking like one thing I hate when people network is when they're doing it just to kind of sort of like suck up or like to brown nose it's like you really have to find a genuine and authentic way to make a connection with someone Mm -hmm. so like when you start going to like job fairs job interviews or wherever you're at like camp settings and you know that there are some notable people there, do your research on those people and try to find a common ground to where you can have a conversation with that person. You know, they may have a child or, you know, a a nephew or a niece or somebody that went to a school that you're going to or that played with some town or whatever it is, you find that way to make that common ground and make that connection. And then those networks organically build um, because most people who are at the top of their game they're going to be able to sniff it out, you know, when you're, if you're genuine or not, you know, and a lot of times people just don't like to be around people who are just trying to, you know, be friends just to get themselves ahead, you know, just be genuine about you and be very intentional about your approach. Yeah, for sure. Everybody who's came on this podcast and myself too, I try to say just, you need to make genuine connections. And like everybody said, kind of that you can't, like people are going to know if you're just in it to get, get something out of it. If you just reach out to somebody like, Hey, can I have this job or whatever it might be? Um, But with that, I want to ask about um, women role models that you've had growing up. Who have you looked up to um, growing up in the industry? Wow. That, see now that's a tricky one if because any. like you know because this this is gonna sound really arrogant. It's like I re- like growing up. Um, I don't think there was anybody really growing up. There were more so just people in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I didn't really look at industry people. There were so many people in my neighborhood who I looked at who I said, "Oh, she's fly," or "She always has a new Jordans," or "This girl's really smart." You know, I saw I've taken bits and pieces of people who I see, who I saw growing up and I've just incorporated all those elements into me. Um, now that I'm on a different stage and I'm looking at some people and especially entering like in the public speaking world, you know, there are a bunch of people who I look at the way that they speak and the way that they carry themselves. Like obviously the gold standard is Michelle Obama, right? Like she's just like amazing with the way that she carries herself with style and grace in the way that she's able to handle pressure and handle scrutiny. And she does it always, like I said, with grace. And I think that is the most important way um, to go about things. Yeah, for sure. Um, And going back to when you say you're growing up and the people um, around you who like had the new Jordans or whatever it is, I want to talk about fashion with you because through all that you do, you know, especially the season, I saw you like stepping out for your with your outfits (laughs) to these games. And I'm like, she has fashion. So I just want to know, like, if you haven't seen it, go check out her Instagram. She has the coolest style. But um. Have you ever thought about like dabbling into the fashion world eventually? I don't know if that's something you'd ever thought about. The door isn't closed. It's like if the opportunity presents itself and it's right, then sure. You know, like I'm a sneakerhead. I love sneakers. I haven't even seen the half of like the shoes that I got that, you know, you got to release, slow release some things like on on Instagram. But um, yeah, man, I love kicks. That's, I, that's why I love. I love kicks and I like putting things together that don't normally go together. And I like sneakers and business attire. So 
Yeah, and even you, know? you do the boots I've seen, and that reminds me of Mary J. Blige, and I feel I like love should, her, and I feel like you should do a collaboration with her. So, because I don't think she has her own boots line, does she? I don't know, but if if you if you uh, make that happen, you got the inside to make that happen. Because I love Mary. She she just did the super. Now that's somebody I look up to. She did the Super Bowl one weekend and then the NBA All Star the following weekend, and she's over fifty. Like that's amazing. And she killed down the Super Bowl. She was like one of my favorite. I mean, all of them were so good, Snoop and everything. But I was when you saw Mary come out, and I'm telling her you you her boots. Like I was like, okay, she's always rocking them boots, and I've seen you wear them before. So I'm like, okay, I see a collaboration happening. <laughs> the New York thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Um, but I know that you came into the NFL obviously recently, and that's been a big step. But what are your ultimate goals um in the industry and where do you see yourself growing from here? So, like, you know, officiating is great and it's given me a great platform. And I would like to officiate for 20 years, but truthfully, you know, the way the world is going, and I know the power of influence that I have. Um, I just want to be probably one of the most influential people you know for our generation like for the youth really so when I say our generation but you know I'm almost 40 um but I just want to be influential and inspirational to the youth that's coming up and I just want to be able to make a difference and make an impact that's all I want I don't care about being rich don't care about the wealth you know I just want to make sure that when you know when I leave this earth my legacy is who did I make better or you know how many other young ladies are able to be in top tier positions in their profession. You know, how many other glass ceilings am I able to help someone else break? It's not just about me and my success. Yeah, and I think you've already done that too. Just, I mean, already making history in the NFL, but not only that, like giving back to the youth and through the education system and everything you've been doing with your new project. So, um, we all appreciate that. And I'm sure there are so many girls looking up to you and wanting to follow and little boys too, wanting to follow in your footsteps. Um, but could you just give us a final piece of advice for anyone wanting to make their way into the industry, whether that's officiating or just something else um, in sports and um, just tips that you have for us? Yeah, you have to fall in love with the process. I really appreciate the grind. So like, you know, be a practice player, be the person who just wants to get better at every little thing. So you don't have a weakness. Like that's just like that piece of advice or that one little piece of tidbit would take you a long way. Cause then you're not going to, you won't mind putting in the work and then you don't have to worry about networking and who you, and who it is that, you know, you need to meet to help push you along. Your work is going to speak for itself you know, and then you're not going to mind making the adjustments or you, you'll be okay with taking criticism and feedback because you know exactly how much work has to be done in order for you to be successful. For sure. You heard it here first. Listen to Maya, everybody. Um, thank you so much, Maya, for coming on. It's been awesome getting to know you and we appreciate your time and advice. And I can't wait to see all that's to come for you and all the history that you keep making. Um, and we'll see you next time on Women Changing the Game. Awesome. Thank you.